For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not, I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint, your carpet, maybe they're animal smells, maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever, ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one. Get two. Be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com. Promo code JESSE. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. I don't think people understand how close we were to the world ending. I really don't think people understand how close we were. And we are going to discuss that. The one and only time... In the history of mankind, the world 
was a breath away from ending. We're going to talk about it today. We're going to talk about the vaccine. Now we need it annually. I'm going to tell you finally, I, I've, I've read a million things on it, seen a million things on it. I'm going to tell you today what I think actually happened at the Capitol that day on the 6th. The Super Bowl viewership numbers tell you something interesting. I'm going to tell you what it should tell you. But first, let us go to the 1960s, to the Cold War, to Khrushchev, to JFK. And I have a couple big fat disclaimers I'm going to slap on the front of this show And both of them are almost undoubtedly going to disappoint you, but that's what I do. One, Khrushchev. It's been established I hate communists and communism with with the fire of a thousand suns. That said... You're going to sense an affinity I have for Khrushchev during this story. And it's not that I have an affinity for Khrushchev. I'm just more sympathetic to Khrushchev than I am most, if not all, of the other Soviet leaders. Specifically because of this story. And I'll explain why in a little bit. It's not like I'm a fan, but I'll explain why. Two, I am a JFK fan. A lot of that... Is his World War II background? I understand. Look, you save the email now, although you're welcome to write it, I guess. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. You're welcome to call 877-377-4373. You're welcome to yell at me. You're welcome to disagree. I'm not saying I'm right. I understand about the corruption and the and the philandering, and, and, the, and I, get, I get all that. I, I get it all. All that is legitimate, but fine. What he did in World War II, Two, I thought was freaking awesome. I thought it was impressive. His ship went down. While he was injured, he put his man's life jacket rope who couldn't swim in his teeth and swam the man to shore. He then took off to go get more help, putting himself at risk. Yes, I think that's what all officers should do. I think that's leadership. Many people do not. I think it shows something. That's one. Two, during this story I'm about to tell you today, one many of you already know, I just think the guy was simply phenomenal. Simply phenomenal. And how many men can possibly lay claim to the fact they stopped the ending of the world? Maybe two, Khrushchev and Kennedy. And that's the truth of it. And that's the truth of it. Let's do a little rewind. We know where we're at in the Cold War, so I don't have to break that down for anybody who listens to this show. Post-World War II, Soviets, very, very, very aggressive, very communist, spreading their ideology around the world. They want, remember, communists, then and now, want the entire world. Communism must be for everybody. That's a base part of the ideology. It just has to be for everyone. So they were aggressively moving. 
We, the United States of America, were aggressively trying to stop them or contain them. And that involved a couple things. One of the things it involved, which is going to play a big, big part in our story today, was placing Jupiter missiles in Turkey. I know you're probably not a a geographer professionally, but go ahead and look up Turkey. You see where Turkey is? Does that seem like Jupiter missiles in Turkey would possibly be something the Soviet Union would not appreciate? Oh, and they were aimed at the Soviet Union. And it was more than just Jupiter missiles in Turkey. We had a large military presence surrounding the Soviet Union on virtually all sides. And when I say military presence, I mean this. Gigantic American bombers carrying tons and tons of high explosives. I am not going to defend the communism today, but pause for a moment and put yourself in their shoes. You wake up this morning, wherever you live, and you kind of see a little dot in the sky. It's way, way up there. And you know, you've been informed and you know that is a gigantic Chinese bomber with tons and tons of high explosive bombs inside of it. Does that change your perspective at all? Would you, as an American citizen, consider that to be a bit too aggressive? Would that make you uneasy? Would you be demanding, as a citizen, would you be demanding your government do something about that? Uh, Are we just going to let them do that? No, no, you would not. You would not want them to just be allowed to do that. You would want the federal government to step in in some way. Not not going to defend the commies today, but there's there's a big two sides of every coin here. Now let's go to a place called Cuba. Castro, 1959, Fidel Castro, everybody knows, does a revolution in Cuba. And prior to Castro, you should understand this. Remember, the Spanish, Spain once controlled Cuba. Then we fight a war there. We run the Spanish out when their empire is, is going down the toilet. Ours is rising We go down there, we fight a war, we, air fingers quote, liberate Cuba, which we did. But, look, colonial powers are colonial powers. Yeah, we liberated Cuba. Oh, no, 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 you you should have your own thing. I mean, we're going to stay here. And yeah, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to want some things. Remember how big sugar is, sugar cane is? It's all over Cuba, and the world is obsessed with it. So we wanted, we wanted some influence there. Now, I don't want to act like America putting its influence on other people is just as you know severe as the Soviet Union coming in and taking over a country. It's not. Ours is softer, but it's still there. And an independent people are going to chafe under that. And the Cubans really, really chafed under that. They did. And understandably so. Fine. 
Eventually, this leads to a revolution. Castro comes in, takes over, and one of the first things Castro does is really run out everything Americans loved about Cuba. It's hard for us to think about this now. We don't think about it in this way. Cuba was the Caribbean vacation destination pre-Castro. It was the luxurious, gorgeous, tropical. Have you ever seen Cuban women? It was just it was just that. I mean, it was that beautiful island paradise. The casinos were huge down there. As you well know, I geek out on the mafia because I'm a dude. The American mafia made so much money on their mob-controlled casinos down there. So it was a big deal. Castro comes in, runs out the mob, runs, that, runs out all that. He's done with it all. America is angry. America decides to do something about it. That doesn't go very well. All right, we have to talk about this vaccine. We'll get to that in a little bit, too. Hang on. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Like a stain on your brain, you can't get out. Jake's Mint Chews. Listen to me and listen well. I dipped for a long time. A long time. And when I say dip, yes, I'm talking about that pinch of nasty tobacco and putting it in your lip. And let me just give it to you straight here. You know, I give it to you honestly. I loved it. And I mean, I absolutely loved it. I didn't want to quit. And I've heard all the tale. You have to quit. You have to quit. And you do. You have to quit. But I couldn't just stop it because I loved it so much. I needed something healthy to replace it with. That's why I'm glad I found Jake's Mint Chew. Go to jakesmintchew.com. There's no nicotine, no tobacco. It's even sugar-free. jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 20% off. That's promo code JESSE. JakesMintChew.com. Go quit today. Missed out? Catch up. JesseKellyShow.com. You want to know what really happened at the Capitol? According to me, I'm going to tell you here in just a little bit. But first, the Kennedys take over. Castro, we have communism right there in Cuba. Not good. America's extremely worried about communist aggression. They want the communists out of Cuba. And honestly, if we're being honest with ourselves, there's some personal and financial interest in having Cuba being friendly to the United States of America. Again, it was a bit of a honey hole. So the Bay of Pigs happened. And I will do a show on the Bay of Pigs at another time. There's way too much of this story to tell today. I don't have time, but the Bay of Pigs was a humongous, embarrassing failure. And it was a humongous, embarrassing failure because John F. Kennedy brought in military guys and CIA guys and asked them what he should do, and they told him what he should do, and then he did it. That 
is rarely, rarely the smart thing. He listened to them. He did what they said. And they screwed the entire thing up. And it was an international embarrassment. And Fidel Castro now looks like the lion who took on the United States of America and won. Castro now is a bit obsessed with the United States of America and thinks we're going to come back. Why does he think this? Well, that's because we want to come back and we keep trying to kill him. We have we tried to assassinate Fidel Castro more times than I can possibly count. We were just always trying to kill the guy. Milkshakes, cigars, and there was always a plan to try and kill Fidel Castro. We're poisoning sugarcane fields. It, it, it was, we were trying to murder him and he knew it. And the Soviet Union obviously liked what they saw for the most part in this Castro Cuba guy. One, oh, this communism stuff looks nice. Even though Castro called himself a socialist, they're all the same. That's one. Two, well, he stood up to the United States of America. And if the Americans hate him and the Americans want to kill him, maybe we should take him under our wing. So Khrushchev takes Castro under his wing, kind of. And the reason I keep saying kind of is Khrushchev was always aware Castro was his own man. There were a lot of communist, quote, leaders at this time who were nothing more than Soviet puppets. Fidel Castro was not one of them. Fidel Castro was very much his own man. Wanted Soviet help, accepted Soviet help, was more than happy to fight the United States with the Soviet Union, so on and so forth. But he was his own dude, and Khrushchev was aware of this fact. But. The story goes, (sighs) Khrushchev wanted missiles, nuclear missiles, in Cuba as a response to our missiles in Turkey. See, Chris is already raising his hands up of kind of understandable, and let's be frank here, people, kind of understandable, right? Kind of understandable. Khrushchev... Very much, though, does not want to publicize that they're building missile silos and sending nuclear weapons to Cuba. He does not want it public. Khrushchev wants it secret. In fact, they sent something like 42,000 Soviet personnel to Cuba and and, and, and more equipment than you can imagine in secret. They'd hide them in cargo ships. It's actually a really fascinating tale. It's a fascinating smuggling tale because they knew we were watching everything coming into Cuba. We were keenly aware of it. Khrushchev wants this kept quiet for a couple different reasons. One, he doesn't want America to know about the building of these missile launch places until they're done. And two, Khrushchev... By every account, there's not a different account of this. Khrushchev did not want to provoke the United States of America. He was not, in his mind, escalating things. He was, in his mind, trying to show force 
So we would back down. Khrushchev is famous because this is the time where every where we're building nuclear weapons and Soviets are building nuclear weapons. Right, this is that big nuclear buildup in the in the Cold War, and Khrushchev is famous for publicly saying things like we're we're making nuclear missiles like like, like sausages. Just they're they're cranking them out is what he's saying. Only that wasn't true at all. Oh, they were building them, but they were they were not building them at all. Like what he said and he had people tell him his own son came up and said what dad what are you talking about no we're not and khrushchev told his own son no we're not but it is critical that the americans think we are so they won't get too aggressive i can't stress this enough and this is going to come up again during this story during the cold war yes we were the good guys and the dirty communists were the bad guys there's no question about it But understand this, from a Soviet perspective, all of them say, "Uh, you guys were the aggressive ones. We here in America think about the big, ugly, dirty Soviets doing this and doing that, and look how aggressive they are with the spying. And look, a lot of that's true, too. But in the Soviet mind, dude, you've got missiles on our border. You've got planes overhead. You're the one, and they said it, Khrushchev said it all the time, you're the one who nuked somebody. I've never nuked anybody. It's got to be a good point, right? And they think we'll use it again. And America was, America has what's called, here's a little inside baseball stuff for you here. Just know America has, and not every country who has nuclear weapons has this, America has a first use policy on nuclear weapons. A lot of nuclear nations do not have this. America's philosophy is, if I think you're going to use yours, I will use mine first, period. A lot of nations do not. Even China, which that's what they say, but even China has a second use. No, 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 no. You shoot first, then we'll shoot. We'll get more to that in a second. So we obviously didn't know about these silos, about these launch sites being built, Until we fly U-2 spy planes over Cuba. We come back with pictures. It's film. And wait, what? What are these? These look like, are those nuclear missiles? So remember this. We like to picture everything like it's the fancy movies now where they have a satellite that can read, you know, a playing card in your hand from outer space. No, no. These were planes flying at 70,000 feet. I'm not making that up. And they see what look like missiles on the ground. But then they have to figure out what kind of missiles they are because all missiles are not the same. They do a little compare and contrast. They figure out, oh, my gosh, these these are Soviet missiles like the kind they put nuclear warheads on. This is this information is brought to JFK. When he is in his bed, it is that critical. It is the, uh, boss, I need to come in. I need to come in right now. This is important. This is an escalation that is unreal. In Kennedy's mind, he can't believe this is happening. And part of the reason this is happening is Kennedy's fault. A lot of people don't know this side of the story, but... It's quite a step, right? If you're cruise chef, even if you're trying to do it as a deterrent, moving missiles, n- nuclear weapons to within miles of the U.S., why would you do it? 
Well, I'm going to tell you why he did it, and it's going to be a good lesson for all of us. And we're going to talk about why, the real reason why those Super Bowl numbers were low. Hang on. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Ladies and gentlemen, we have arrived in Philadelphia. Local time is 3.05 p.m. and the temperature is 67 degrees. At this time, you are now free to use your cellular devices. You know that feeling when you get to turn your phone on after the plane lands? You can have that feeling every time you drive. Make sure your cell phone is stowed away whenever you are behind the wheel. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. You can find me on social media at Jesse Kelly DC on Twitter, Instagram, on Facebook. I finally started the whole locals thing there. You're welcome to go on over to locals. Remember, all, most of my stuff on that locals thing is going to be free, so don't worry about that pay to subscribe. Think unless you want, like I'm going to do a video every day or every two days for anybody who wants to pay to subscribe. I'm not over there to make money, but I'll, I'll, I'm definitely going to do something for the people who subscribe. Ain't no big deal. No big deal. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. What happened? Why did Khrushchev feel like he could get the missiles into Cuba and it would end up being okay? Because Khrushchev met John F. Kennedy. And the story is kind of famous, but they had met very early on. JFK was... Look, he's not some pillow-soft loser. Like I said, dude was a war hero. But he was a politician. And JFK was, you know, a good-looking dude. Used to charming the pants off of everybody, quite literally some of the time, frankly. And JFK meets Khrushchev, and Khrushchev is the Russian's Russian. Khrushchev meets with JFK and walks out of there thinking, this guy's soft. This guy's pillow soft. And that's why he felt comfortable with it. The show of strength or show of weakness, GOP, the show of weakness has real costs. The show of weakness almost ended the world. Remember that. Remember that real costs. Now we did find out about the missiles. Obviously at first we did not tell the public and we did not tell the Soviets that our planes had picked up on the missiles. It is an all hands on deck meeting for JFK. 
It's his brother who, as you know, he trusted a lot. It's all the Joint Chiefs. It's everybody else. Robert McNamara, everybody. Everyone come in. Come in and tell me what you think. Let's have a big meeting. And this is advice JFK had gotten from, of all people, Dwight Eisenhower. Obviously, former general, former president, Dwight Eisenhower. After the Bay of Pigs, JFK met with Eisenhower. And Eisenhower was asking him, well, what... What did you do? Did you did you have a big meeting with everyone? Where everyone discussed everything? And JFK said, "Well, no. I just I I had some military guys tell me that I should do this, and so that's what I did." And Eisenhower said, "No, no, 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 no. You you trusted just the generals." And this is from Eisenhower. He's like, "No, no, no. You have everybody in the room, and everybody's going to hash it out." But. Kennedy gets all his people in the room and every single one of his generals said, we have to attack and we have to attack right now. Picture what this moment is like. What was he? 30 some years old, Chris, maybe early forties. I forget forties. You're a relatively young man. Still you have brass in front of you. You have generals in front of you. Ask yourself how you would handle with this guy, Air Force, Navy, Army. And these guys are not only generals. You're staring at a list of medals and ribbons on their chest. These guys, this is 1961. These guys are all seasoned combat veterans by now. These are men you automatically will assign some level of respect to. And not just one of them. All of them are saying, you have to attack right now. Some of, some of Kennedy's more dovish advisors are saying, you have to attack right now. To which Kennedy starts peppering the questions out there. Okay, well... If we attack, because what they meant by attack was bombing. Air Force planes overhead dropping bombs on. Kennedy asks, he asks his Air Force general, can you guarantee me if we bomb these missile sites, we will get every single one of them? Because he knows if he doesn't, remember, these things are 15 minutes away from Washington, D.C., glowing in the dark. Kennedy asks, can you guarantee me this? And the general says, no, absolutely not. We don't know if we'll hit all the ones we go after because it's an imprecise thing. And we don't know if we know where all of them are. Remember, like I said earlier, it's not like in the movies where you just automatically know stuff. You have to see it. Or have on-the-ground intelligence of it. There's stuff out there right now that we don't know about. It's just a fact. It is. Eyes and ears intelligence are so important. Kennedy can't get the assurances he wants. So, Kennedy goes on television. And Kennedy addresses the American people and the Soviet Union at the same time. There, there's an interesting, there's an interesting dynamic at play here. Because you have Khrushchev and you have the commies, you have the Soviets, and you have our government. 
and you think, like you and I think, I have to say, wait, you think, well, yeah, there's some tension, but they're obviously, they're talking. I mean, I'm sure they're, they're on the phone with each other or something, right? Swapping emails, maybe a quick text. Hey, Cruz Jeff, you suck. You know, something? No. There wasn't communication at this point. Kennedy makes an announcement. He's going to address the American people. And not only did 100 million Americans gather around the television set to watch this, and to this day, I think it's the second most watched presidential address ever. 100 million Americans gather around the television to watch this. Khrushchev does too. While the American people are watching this, Khrushchev and the leaders in the Soviet Union gather around the television as well to find out what the American response is going to be. Shall be the policy of this nation to regard any nuclear missile launched from Cuba against any nation in the Western Hemisphere as an attack by the Soviet Union on the United States, requiring a full retaliatory response upon the Soviet Union. I call upon Chairman Khrushchev to haul and eliminate this clandestine, reckless, and provocative threat to world peace and to stable relations between our two nations. How about that from the man himself? And it was obviously longer than that. Encourage you to listen to the whole thing if you would like. It's actually a fascinating thing when you consider that what the stakes were when Kennedy gave this speech. But Kennedy chooses to ignore his generals. Kennedy, because of the failures of the Bay of Pigs, because of failures of his father, JFK's father was the American ambassador to Britain telling Neville Chamberlain, don't worry about this Hitler guy, back off. And this was brought up to JFK, what his father had done. He was blamed for this. It had pointed at him. JFK announces a different route. He says, no, we're not going to attack. We're not going to do nothing. We're going to blockade Cuba. We are going to use our gigantic, powerful Navy, and we are going to make sure this stuff stops now. Nothing else is coming in, period, end of story. JFK announces the blockade. And, and remember this, by now, we know there are missiles in Cuba. We don't necessarily know whether or not there are nuclear warheads with said missiles in Cuba. And you want to know the truth? What was there in Cuba? I'll tell you the truth. Hang on. Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Uh. 
Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. We've got Kimberly Klasik coming up next hour. That candidate who ran in Democrat heaven, Baltimore. And how often do I tell you to mark something down? You have to stay and listen to it. I tried to get him earlier in the show so you wouldn't have to wait till later in the show. Uh, This is the best I could do. I'm telling you, stay for Lee Smith. He's going to be halfway through the last hour of the show. Lee Smith, he is going to break down for you exactly what the status is in the United States of America. He read an article. I want you to read it. I've never told, have I ever once, Chris, be honest, have I ever once told anybody to read an article that I didn't write? Never. I don't think in the history of doing my show I've ever done it. Because who likes to read anyway? But in all seriousness, it's called The 30 Tyrants. If you want to understand where we are in the United States of America, read this article. Or just stay for the interview. I'll try to get as much out of him as I can if you don't like to air fingers quote read. But Lee Smith is appointment radio today. Period. Make sure you catch it. Back to the Soviets. Do the Soviets at this point in time... Have nuclear warheads in Cuba? Oh, yeah. Lots of them. And when I say nuclear warheads, understand there are different sizes to them. How big are the ones the Soviets have in Cuba? Oh, they're over 100 times bigger than what we dropped on Hiroshima. They're gigantic. So we set up our blockade. No more. No more coming in. This is officially the world watching what's happening here. And understand how touchy it is. One side, one side chooses to attack either side. The other will respond with nuclear weapons, forcing the other to respond with nuclear weapons. And they have enough nuclear weapons between the two sides at this point to destroy the entire world 1,000 times. It's that severe. It's that serious. Blockade is set up. But here's the problem with the blockade being set up. There were already Soviet ships on the way to Cuba. And you just set up a blockade. What are they going to do? Are they going to try to sneak past? Are they going to shoot past? Are they going to turn around and go back? Because remember... We're one bad incident away from the end of the world. What if you get what if you get a commander who decides he's going to take a shot at an American? Or an American decide who decides he's going to take a shot at one of these Soviet ships? What do you do? Khrushchev at this point in time knows he is in such a bind. He has to show strength 
to his government, to his people. He has to show strength to America. But Khrushchev is deathly afraid of a gigantic war. Khrushchev did not want war. He's a dirty communist who wanted to dominate things like just like Stalin did. He did not want war. He knew what it would mean for his country. So Khrushchev orders the ships, stop. Just stop. Now, Castro is the third guy in this story we don't talk about enough. Because Khrushchev orders his ships to stop, but because he doesn't want to look like a weakling, he doesn't order the building of the nuclear sites to stop. Oh, no, no, you keep building those. I'm just not going to ship any more ships in there. You know, a little give and take type thing. But Castro is losing his mind angry at this point in time. Why? Well, remember, this whole thing takes place in Cuba. And what's happening in Cuba? Well, what do you think the American response was the second we figured out they have missile silos there? It sounds like Castro lives right underneath an airport for all of Cuba. The American Air Force and Naval Air Power, they are flying over every single square inch of Cuba, and they're not flying at 70,000 feet anymore. They're flying low. We are right here. We're here. We will destroy you. We will bomb you. We are doing reconnaissance on your island. The Cubans think they're about to be under attack. The people themselves are digging in. They're digging trenches. They're digging fighting holes. And Castro is furious. And Castro has anti-aircraft weapons. Castro's tempted to use them. And remember, this is the war now of public relations. It seems like at this point in the story, both Kennedy and Khrushchev think a nuclear war is inevitable. And people will tell you, everyone will say at this point, it is the likely outcome. The likely outcome is the end of the world as you know it at this point in time. It's that bad. Their only concern now is, well, I hope we can prevent it. But if we can't, each one is hoping the other one takes the first shot because it's a public relations war as well. This is, well, the most dangerous point in human history right here. Hang on. We're going to talk about the, uh, what happened at the Capitol? What really happened? Hang on. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. 
probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. We have new podcast reviews, and you guys are just freaking awesome. Remember, you can catch the whole show. If you missed any part of the show, you can catch the whole thing on iHeart, Google, Spotify. The whole thing is on iTunes. On iTunes, leave a five-star rating. Leave a review talking about how handsome I am. We read the reviews on the air. I have a couple I'm going to read today. You can call. 877-377-4373. You can email jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I read every single email. They all go right to Jewish producer Chris. He prints them. I read them all. The love, the hate, the death threats, whatever it is. And your Ask Dr. Jesse questions. You can send them in throughout the week. You know we have Ann Coulter coming on this Friday, right, Chris? So we have Ask Dr. Jesse this Friday, which I can already tell is going to be special. Because it's going to be about me. And then we have Ann Coulter coming on. The Ann Coulter that Chris said I wasn't going to be able to get. (laughs) Hang on. We're going to finish up the Cuban Missile Crisis. Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Could you help us understand what the White House is or what the president's definition of open schools is? Does it mean teachers in classroom teaching students in classroom? Or does it just mean kids in classroom with a remote screen? Help us understand. Sure. His goal that he set is to have the majority of schools, so more than 50 percent, open uh, by day 100 uh, of his presidency. And that means uh, some teaching in classrooms. So at least one day a week, hopefully it's more. And obviously it is as much as is safe in each school and local district. When you say some teaching, that's the, you didn't use the same majority qualifier there. You just have to have some teaching in school, some teachers in school, not the majority of teachers in school and the majority of classrooms. Well, teaching at least one day a week um, in the majority of schools by day 100. Okay, and that's in-person teaching? In-person teaching, yes. <laughs> I love how these people talk. Just always, always leaving yourself an out. Never committing to anything, making up arbitrary numbers you never hold yourself to. And if you're a Democrat, nobody else will hold you to. Gosh, it's all so absurd. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Remember, if you call, we're not live. 
Leave us a voicemail. We'll play it on the air. We have one, a heavy, heavy, heavy hitting voicemail. No, we're not going to play it just yet. Well, I'll play you this voicemail next segment, though. Something you're going to have to hang on and listen to. All right, let's finish this story here because, look, an NBA team isn't playing the national anthem anymore. We're going to talk about that, the Super Bowl, the COVID vaccine, what actually happened at the Capitol. I have a lot I have to get to today. Now, it's a war of public relations, Soviet Union and us. It's tense, to put it mildly. They are famously thinking, this might be my last day on Earth. We have CIA guys saying, my family needs to get out of town, sending, sending their families to the Midwest, you know, away from major cities. And a pilot leaves Alaska. And you're going to have to decide whether or not you believe this story. I am a natural skeptic. I do not. But this is the official story, and I haven't seen a lot of people dispute it. So I'm not saying anything. I'm simply going to present to you the story as it has been presented to me. A pilot in a recon plane leaves Alaska because of the Aurora Borealis. The pilot loses his way and gets lost. He gets lost and finds himself over the Soviet Union. Obviously he's picked up immediately by Soviet radar at a time that is as tense as tense could possibly get. The Soviets send MiGs up in the air to get this guy. They do not shoot him down. He almost runs out of fuel and barely makes it back home. I'm going to pause here for just a brief moment and say, I don't believe for a second a highly trained U.S. pilot got lost and found himself over the Soviet Union. I will believe till the day I die there's something more to this story than that. Oh, whoops! Did I go left here? I meant to go right here, like your grandma on the way to the gas station. I think not, but I'll leave that alone. But now the Soviets think we're coming. The Soviets think this is aggressive. And Castro, Castro's ready to start shooting down the planes we're sending overhead. And if Castro does this, America has said, we're going to start dropping bombs if you start shooting down our planes. Which even, look, in defense of Castro, of all people, you'd want planes shot down, right? They're flying them right overhead. And finally... It happens. Maybe the most dramatic moment in the history of mankind. We send up another U-2 plane to do recon over Cuba, and it does not come from the highest levels, which is probably what saved the world, but a smaller unit commander makes the decision on the ground in Cuba, I'm going to shoot it down. And he launches a surface-to-air missile And he blows our plane out of the sky and kills our pilot. And in an odd way, this probably did as much as anything else to save the world and stop the Cuban Missile Crisis. Because it was so tense to that moment. And then there was almost a, I don't want to call it unprovoked, but there was such a bad thing that happened almost out of nowhere that it kind of made Kennedy and Khrushchev go, oh! 
oh, whoa, no, oh, no, oh, we can't do this. We can't do this. And Castro, because he's a nutball, actually contributes this to this too. Castro sends a, a, a cable to Khrushchev saying, hey, I'm ready to die for this. You need to launch nuclear weapons against the United States of America now. Let's do it. Castro thinks he's prodding Khrushchev along, being the good little commie soldier. What he really does is freak he freaks Khrushchev out. Khrushchev looks at this and says, okay, this entire thing has gone way too far. This entire thing has gone too far. The Kennedys and Khrushchev connect again. Kennedy sends his brother, tells the Soviet ambassador, look, Here's the deal. We can't do this. You know we can't do this. Here's what we'll do. You will pull these missiles out of Cuba and get rid of them. What we will do is we will quietly, we're not going to announce this to the public or the world, we will quietly over the course of the next few months remove our missiles from Turkey. And if the answer to that had been no, it was going to be war. Khrushchev blinks and says, okay, all right, I'm done. I'm done. Let's do it. I agree. Stopping the end of the world. Why was John F. Kennedy able to pull this off? Why? The big reason, why why was Kennedy holding strong when others are pushing for this? Why was Kennedy doing the right thing here and the right thing there? Why? Failure. That's why. The great teacher is failure. The failures of his father. The horrific failure of the Bay of Pigs invasion. These failures were not things that were the end of the world. These huge failures were things that saved the world in the end because they taught JFK valuable, valuable lessons. You and I, in our own lives, are going to fail a thousand times. I certainly have. I promise I've failed more than you have. Huge ones and small ones. That's life. Right now, the right in America, I'm looking at things, and it, it, it's all bad, right? I, I have all this news today, and it's all bad. And, and it, it, it occurs to me on a macro level what a huge, huge failure the right has been with the way we've conducted ourselves. And it is. It's not defensible. With, with where we are as a country, what the right has done, the ability of the right to protect this nation is not defensible. However, this can be an opportunity to learn a renewal and a commitment from you and I, from the National Party, from the local party, an outright in-stone commitment. We will never let this happen again. And from that commitment, we can grow. We can grow. And in the end... It might save us. All right. What really happened at the Capitol? Hang on, I'll tell you. Newton Group Transfer. 
They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE. Or go to timesharejesse.com, Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.